Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Mark chapter 13, verse 1. 1517, a man named Martin Luther, he was a monk, uh, went and tacked on a door his 95 theses. Some information about Scripture. He was leading people back uh, to dependence upon the Word of God, the text of Scripture. And, of course, that led him to believe that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And what might seem like a pretty insignificant thing to tack up an opinion uh, for some debate with scholars uh, actually changed the world. It brought uh, the, the, the area of Europe out of the Dark Ages and into a time of Renaissance. That's the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is a dangerous book because uh, when you let it loose, it changes things. And uh, so I, I believe that you and I, uh, of course, need to, to be in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, hiding His Word in our hearts so we won't sin against Him. But we also need to be sharing the truth. I think at this time in our nation's history, it's more important than ever that Christians are open about their faith, that they speak about their faith. They speak about the truths of Scripture. Because as the darkness gets darker, the light can still overcome it. The Bible says that uh, Jesus, when, when they were worshiping at the time of the feast, they had these great uh, lamps burning and the flames shooting up to the sky, and Jesus cried out, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the answer. And uh, this scripture that we're looking at today, Jesus, um, he's, he's actually leaving the temple and the disciples just happen to notice um, the, the buildings of the temple. And, and one of them mentions to him, how magnificent these buildings are. And, and Jesus says a prophecy. He says, not one stone of these buildings will be laying on another. We've seen the fulfillment of that in history. AD 70, it happened. Of course, they didn't know that. And so the next question is, well, when's this going to happen? But they actually asked, it says, when will this be? And what are the signs that all these things will be fulfilled? So it's not just, they're not just asking about the temple, which interestingly, Jesus doesn't answer that specifically, when the temple is going to be destroyed. But he does answer the second question. He answers that in the scripture we'll get to next week. Okay, But the first part of this scripture, before Jesus tells them, what is, what is all these things that are going to happen? When is this going to be? Uh, what are the signs of, of your coming and so forth? Um, first, Jesus gives them some instruction on how to act in the meantime. Because oftentimes, we're, we're curious about the prophecy. Lord, what's, what's going to happen? What's, give me a, a seven-point uh, uh, message on, on the prophecy of the end times. But Jesus knows that what we need is how to act in the meantime. Yes, he gives us prophecy, but he wants us to know how to live our lives in light of prophecy. Um, I remember years ago, a fellow wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ is Coming Back in 1988. 
And uh, I was in high school at the time. I've, uh, I've dated myself. Uh, but I remember uh, everybody being fascinated with this book. And, and there was a man who, who uh, he was the layman in our church. He got up and preached a message. No man knows the day or the hour of his coming. And he said, this book is not from Scripture. And sure enough, the prediction didn't come true. He wrote a follow-up book, 89 Reasons Why He's Coming Back in 1989. That one didn't come true either. And so, um, anyway, people get caught up in prophecy. But uh, ultimately, the prophecy that God gives us in His Word is, is accurate and, and 100% accurate. We've seen it uh, fulfilled, much of it already fulfilled in history. Um, but Jesus wanted to prepare them for the battle that was to come in the meantime. Can I tell you, from the time of Jesus when he walked on this earth to this day, there's been a battle raging. And it's a battle over the truth. Philip mentioned and Wayne mentioned this morning about the persecution in China. China is just one place among many in the world where Christians are undergoing horrific persecution. Why? Because they proclaim the truth of God's word. In our nation, Christians, conservative, Bible-believing Christians are being maligned. I heard a, a fellow in the media this past week uh, mention uh, a prominent Christian and to compare him, he was a conservative, Bible-believing Christian, to compare him to Muslim extremists. And he did so with hate and vitriol in his voice. Where does all this vitriol come from? You know, people a lot of times say, well, I don't believe in Jesus, and they're angry about it. There's a lot of things I don't believe in that I don't get angry about. You want to believe in it? You know, it's, uh, it's like they used to say when I was growing up, if you believe that, I've got some land in, in Florida I want to sell you, some swamp land. And, uh, uh, but but uh, there, there's a, there may be a lot of things I don't believe, but I'm not angry about them. Why are people so angry? It's because it's the truth. And somewhere down deep in their hearts, they know it. And there's an anger. There's a lashing out against the truth. And people do not want to hear, oftentimes, the truth of God's Word. Fish don't want to be caught. I've learned that. You know, you, you go and you, you put that hook in the water. They're not just going to come up and be all friendly about it and get on the hook for you. You've got to give them a reason to get on the hook, don't you? They don't want to be caught. Uh, and so, it, it, lost people, oftentimes, they don't want to hear the truth of God's Word, but they desperately need to hear it. I can remember one of my kids, when, I think it was Megan, when, when they were little, said, Dad, why can't we just eat candy all the time? I thought, well, that's a good idea. You know? <laughs> but... Uh, no, you need, you need something else. You may not want it, but you need it, right? And so this battle over the truth has been waged. And we need to be prepared for this battle. And we need to be faithful to speak the truth of God, regardless of the circumstances or the opinions of culture. Time on messages prepared for the battle 
Look with me at verse 1 of Mark 13. It says, As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what massive stones, what impressive buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus told them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. But you, be on your guard. They will hand you over to local courts and you will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. And it is necessary that the gospel be preached to all nations. So when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand about what you will say. But say whatever is given to you at that time, for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Prepared for the battle. How does Christ prepare us for the battle? First of all, he tells us not to be deceived. Not to be deceived. Verse 5, Jesus told them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, or I am. You could also translate it that way. They will deceive many. You need to recognize, Jesus is telling this to the apostles, not just to the apostles, but to his inner circle of apostles. Do not be deceived. If it's a warning they needed, it's a warning we need. How does deception happen? Well, there's a number of ways. Sometimes our own heart deceives us. The heart of man, the Bible says, is desperately wicked. Sometimes we're led astray by our own heart and our own desire for wickedness. Sometimes we are deceived by the enemy. Remember Satan in the garden saying to Eve, Has, has God really said this? He deceived her. Sometimes we're deceived through the culture. The culture tells us, well, this is what's right, and this is what's wrong. This is what we should accept, and this is what we shouldn't accept. And we're deceived by the culture. Sometimes we may be deceived by those we love. The devil has all kinds of methods of deceit. He deceives through the media. The news media. He deceives uh, through education, oftentimes, to faulty education. <laughs> uh, he deceives uh, through, uh, through books and magazines sometimes. He deceives through uh, people's opinions in the culture. 
He deceives through false religions and cults. The Bible says the God of this age, speaking of Satan, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers lest, lest they should repent. You see, he's got a strategy. He doesn't want lost people to repent, so he deceives them. He doesn't want saved people to be successful in their walk with God, so he deceives them. But praise God, he has given us weapons to use against deceit. Uh, the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Bible says the Spirit will guide you into all truth. As you read the Word of God, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. As you're reading with a willing and an open heart, as you're hearing a message with a willing and an open heart, the Holy Spirit of God will shine the light of His truth. It's a wonderful thing. So as a Christian, you can combat the deception of the enemy. What did Romans 12 say? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we, we combat deception in our own lives through the Word of God and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we come to the Word of God with a surrendered heart. That's important. If you don't come to the Word of God with a surrendered heart, you won't have the Holy Spirit minister to you through the Word of God because you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes uh, people will say, you know, two people will hear the same Sunday school class. One person gets a lot out of it. The other person gets nothing out of it. Two people will hear the same message. One gets something out of it. Another person gets nothing out of it. Well, it may be the preacher's having an off day, but it may also be that there's rebellion in the heart. And when there's rebellion in the heart, the Holy Spirit's quenched. And when the Holy Spirit's quenched, the Word of God doesn't have the effect that it could have had otherwise to minister and build up in that person's life. So be aware of that. And uh, as you come to the Word of God, as you come, prepare for the time you spend in God's house in church on Sunday. Confess your sins to God before you come. Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit before you come. Ask for God to speak to your heart. Do the same thing in your personal quiet time. If there's anything between you, I, I like to confess my sin just right off the bat. I don't like to wait for, for the next morning. But if you do, at least do it that morning as you come to the Word of God and confess that sin. Um, it's better to do it immediately. But uh, confess your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that is to agree with our sin, I sinned when I fill in the blank. Uh, that's agreeing with God about our sin. That's confession. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, that is to restore the fellowship and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he gets out his divine Brillo pad and starts to work on us. Um, uh, the good follow-up prayers, Lord, help me repent of my sin. Uh, so these are some ways that we can combat deception in our personal lives. But how do we combat deception in the culture? Through the truth of God's Word. Same weapon. Uh, it's amazing what God will do through the Word that He has given to us, the Scripture. As we share the truth of Scripture... 
We're to do it in love, not with a, an unkind or bitter, angry spirit. Uh, we're to do it in love. We're to do it with kindness. We're to do it with respect. But we're to share the truth. When we share that truth, it has a powerful, powerful effect. I love what it says in Acts. Peter is preaching the first message after Pentecost. And uh, the Spirit of God has just come down. And the Bible says as he preached the gospel, they were cut to the heart. The gospel cuts through all of our arguments, all of our self-defense, all of our uh, wrong perceptions to the truth of the matter. I can remember when I was 10 years old, hearing a gospel message. In t- I still remember the title all these years later. Not, not, that, not that you have to remember the title of the message, that's, that's, but, but I do. I mean, it had such an, an impact on me. Religion versus repentance. And I realized I was just a religious phony. I'd never repented of my sin. God cut me to the heart. And I realized, I recognized, I knew in my heart that's who I was. The truth of God had pierced through the deception that I had in my own heart. That's the power of God's word. Use it as a mighty sword. I, I like those Marine uniforms. I, I, mean, I, I, went, I was in the Air Force, okay, so um, I love the Air Force, but Marine uniforms are cool, I have to say. And the swords, if you see those swords, those things are awesome. Now you say, well, I've got, a, I've got a gun, and that's better than a sword. Okay, well, I understand. But the sword's cool. But listen, whatever weapon you want to use in terms of, uh, of battle, whatever, whatever weapon you want to call it, the weapon of the Word of God is just like a mighty sword. It accomplishes the purpose that God has for it. And so... Plant the seed of God's Word. Some, some people are not ready to hear the whole gospel. But you can mention something in passing at work and plant a seed. You can ask a question that comes from God's Word and plant a seed. And the Word of God begins to work in that person's life. Sometimes you may have a discussion about the Word of God. And you may talk about the Scriptures with somebody who's open. And God may use that to move that person farther along toward Christ. And then those great times when you, when you find that person who's just ready. The fruit is ripe and ready to be picked. It's just, you just have to pick it. It's the easiest thing in the world when somebody is prepared by the Holy Spirit of God. And it's a delight. But the Word of God is what you use at every juncture of the, of the situation. So Jesus says, beware, don't let people deceive you. And let me say this. I study the languages, you guys know that. I mention it from time to time. But you don't have to know Hebrew and Greek to know the basic meaning of the Scripture. Okay? Somebody once said that knowing the languages is like the difference between watching TV in black and white or in color. Well, today it might be. The difference between watching low resolution and high resolution, or uh, that still might be out of date, maybe HD versus 4D or whatever you've got. But, but it, you still get the basic picture, okay? 
Don't let anybody try to tell you you can't understand the Word of God because you don't know the languages. What you need to do, though, as you come to the Word of God is you need to read it in context. Okay? Uh, One of the things that cults will do is they'll take Scripture out of context over and over and over again. I used to to make the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, just, just get utterly frustrated because they would come to my door and they would say, well, the Bible says this here. And then they would try to move on to the next point. I'd say, wait a second. That's not what that means. The context says this. So it can only mean this. See, the context. You say, well, what is the context? Context could be a chapter. could be a few chapters. Okay? And you read that context, and it helps you understand what that individual verse means. Because no verse is given to us. Outside of context, okay? You know the importance of this if you've ever been talking with your spouse and you said something and you meant one thing by it and your wife or your husband took it a different way. And the fight's on, right? Well, listen, there's a context. And, And your context is, this is what I was thinking and this is what I meant, okay? But her context is she's looking at it from an entirely different angle. And the context is what makes the difference in the meaning. Now, um, everything that is written in Scripture has a purpose. It's this context. The reason that God gave it to us. And we can't take it. I'll give you a good example. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we are dead. That's in the Bible. Okay? So uh, let's go get a keg after church and let's get drunk. Uh, Let's eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we're dead. Is that the intention of that scripture? No. Matter of fact, the opposite is true. Uh, He's saying, look, if this were not true, if what I'm telling you wasn't true, well, then let's just eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we're dead. No, but because it is true, we don't have to do that. We can follow God and his purpose and his plan. But you see, the context is what tells you that. Now, there's not only the context, the immediate context of a chapter or maybe a few chapters, but there's also the context of the book of the Bible, and there's the context of the Bible as a whole. What the Bible says over here, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Uh, that may inform something you read in the New Testament. Or, uh, and so we, we, uh, we take the whole of Scripture all together to find the true intended meaning that God has for. So, didn't intend to spend that long on that, but um, to be prepared for battle, he tells us not to be, first of all, deceived. Secondly, not to be discouraged. Look at verse 7. It says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of earth pains. Wars and rumors of wars. Uh, Soleimani, uh, his life was ended this week. And then some missiles were sent at one of our uh, bases over in the Middle East. From time to time, we're going to have things like that happen, aren't we? But can I tell you something? Regardless of what's happening in your circumstances... Jesus is still Lord. 
He's still in control. Don't be discouraged by the circumstances of life. It may not even be a, a war. It may be something happening in your life. Maybe you've got something discouraging, something, something that is causing you all kinds of, of worry and trouble in your life. Don't let that get you off task as a child of God. Don't let it discourage you. There have been times all of us have been overwhelmed by life. But thank God we have this promise. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. You see, we find rest by bringing our burdens to Jesus. So bring those burdens to him and, and accompany that with thanksgiving, and you'll find the peace of God that passes all understanding, and you'll be able to continue to share the truth. But Jesus knew they would face all kinds of things in their circumstances. He says, don't you give up sharing the truth. Don't you get distracted by all the worries and the troubles of life. You keep on sharing the truth. Don't be discouraged. So he tells us not to be deceived, not to be discouraged. Thirdly, don't be surprised. Go to verse 9. But you be on your guard. They will hand you over to local courts. And you will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. And it is necessary that the gospel be preached to all nations. Don't be surprised at persecution. Unjust criticism is frustrating, isn't it? But if you're a child of God and you proclaim the truth of God, you know how I know you'll be persecuted? Because Jesus was. <laughs> There's nobody more perfect than Jesus was. There's nobody more righteous than Jesus was. And yet they hated him. The leadership hated him so much they wanted to put him to death. You speak God's truth. There'll be people that don't like you. There'll be people that hate you. I remember one time when I was in the military, there's a fellow I was sitting at the table with him, and I talked briefly. I mean, it was only like a, a minute-long conversation. It wasn't like I was clubbing him over the head with my, with my 15-pound Bible. I, I, just, I just talked to him just briefly. Asked him if he went to church, you know, and, if he, you know, some things about, you know, just if he's ever thought about spiritual things. And uh, the next day he sat on the opposite side of the table. And he, he kind of treated me like I had the plague. That's okay. But can I tell you something? Jesus made a promise. He said, rejoice when men revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you, fall sick for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Um, we are not experiencing in America the persecution our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing because the protections in our constitution and in our culture. But can I tell you, uh, th there will be verbal persecution. You might miss a promotion because you're unwilling to participate in certain things at your, at your workplace. 
Um, there may be uh, uncomfortable situations for you, embarrassing situations. You might have somebody ridicule you. I've had, I've had that happen. <laughs> somebody in my last church actually ridiculed me one time. He said, he said, you don't actually believe that two million people went through the wilderness, do you? And were able to survive for 40 years. I said, absolutely I do. If God is who he says he is, if he raised the dead, I think providing a little manna from heaven is no big deal for God. But, but you know, there will be people who ridicule us. But uh, listen, I want to tell you something. Knowing Christ is the greatest thing in this world. Having the privilege to speak for him is a huge, wonderful privilege. Don't be surprised at the persecution that comes. Instead, when it comes, recognize it may be God's opportunity for you to share with someone else. It also is the pathway to God's reward. Let that be, give you perspective. So, don't be deceived. Don't be discouraged. Don't be surprised. Fourthly, don't be silent. Look at verse 11. So, when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say. But say whatever is given to you at that time. For it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. When you reach a battle over the truth, you must speak. As the Holy Spirit leads you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit may tell you to be quiet for a time. He knows the, he knows the situation. But as the Holy Spirit leads you, you must speak. I, a lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, uh, I witness through my life. Listen, that's wonderful. I'm glad you do that. But God has given us a message to share. People don't get saved just because they watch your life. You get saved because you hear the gospel. So the message must be shared. Don't be silent. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be some people that don't like us. There's going to be some people that say, hey, that's politically incorrect. I can't believe you're so insensitive to say that. We must say it anyway as the Holy Spirit leads us. Why? Because it's the truth. What did Jesus say? You should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's why Satan hates the truth so much. He knows that when somebody repents and puts their trust in Jesus, they're delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. He no longer has authority over them. He no longer has power over them because Jesus has set them free. He also knows that as God's people are transformed by the truth, there'll be a mighty army. God didn't save us to sit on our blessed assurance. God saved us to go forth into this world and to proclaim the truth and to take the devil's territory. There's people all around us who are lost and they need Jesus. They'll go to hell if somebody doesn't tell them the message about Jesus Christ. We must not be silent. The Spirit will give you exactly what you need to say. A lot of times people are afraid to share. And fear paralyzes people from sharing. 
But here's the thing you need to remember. You never go into a witnessing situation by yourself. The Holy Spirit goes with you. And he is able to give you... He knows where the person is. He knows if they're open to maybe a passing comment, if they're open to a discussion, or if they're ready to trust Christ. He knows exactly where they are, and he knows exactly how to lead us in the conversation. He leads you to say something. I remember I, I was having a conversation. This was not necessarily a witnessing situation, but uh, uh, anybody who's been in the military knows. I, I, I remember I tried to warn David. I said, you know, uh, he said, well, there's cussing at UPS. I said, yeah, there's cussing, but then there's cussing. And I said, you've, you've, not, you've not heard cussing until you, till you get in the military. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and he told me, he said, he said, Dad, I have never heard so much cussing in all my life. And... Um, uh, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Okay, uh, the Holy Spirit will help you know exactly what to say at exactly the right time, in exactly the right way, as you're willing to be obedient. And so, uh, what I found is sometimes we just take that first step. It's a step of faith, right? And he comes to our aid. I, I, was, I was talking with Mary before, before the service about my asthma. And um, there have been some times where because of my asthma, I, I just, I was totally out of it. Uh, you know, the blood, I guess, I don't know if the, the oxygen's not getting to your brain or exactly how that works, but... Uh, you know, I, I could remember sitting on a pew and thinking, okay, God, I can't remember. This is when I preached without notes. I've got notes, I, just some brief notes I've written in my Bible now. But back then I preached with no notes. I said, God, I can't remember the title of my sermon or any of my points. If you don't help me, this is not going to happen. And then I have got, I've gotten up into the pulpit. It's like a light switch has gone off. And I'm open and I'm clear and I preach the message. I had this happen one time. And uh, I preached the message. I got down afterwards. And I'm during the invitation, I feel the asthma coming back. God opened me up enough just to share. But you see, sometimes we're just unwilling to trust him. I said, well, Lord, you don't understand. I've got these, these obstacles, I, these, these weaknesses. I don't know enough. I, God, you don't understand, God. Oh, yes, he does. God called Moses to talk to Pharaoh, and Moses said, I can't speak. God says, you're going to be my spokesperson. This is who God is. I love it. Moses says, Lord, you're going to have to send Aaron. Uh, you know, he can speak well. Why don't you send him? And he says, well, Aaron can go with you, but you're going to speak to Aaron and then Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. Well, it's interesting. Moses ends up speaking. Aaron speaks, I think, once. And then Moses speaks all the rest of the time. Why? Because God's sufficient. He's sufficient. It's amazing what he can do uh, through, through somebody who's just available to be used. Somebody once said Christianity is 1% of uh, ability and 99% availability. I don't know if it's that much. Uh, I do think God gives us gifts, but I, you know, here's the thing. Even our gifts, 
What did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't be silent. Finally, don't be intimidated. Verse 13, you will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Don't be intimidated. By the way, just, just as a passing note, um, the idea is not that you earn your salvation through endurance. Okay, that's not what that verse is talking about. The one who endures to the end will be saved. The idea is this. As you endure in faithfulness to God, there's coming a day of deliverance. Jesus is coming. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're having to endure, as you walk in obedience to God, it's temporary. This life is a vapor, and Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Don't be intimidated. Keep speaking the truth. I remember, um, this, this will kind of tell you the difference in culture uh, pretty much every uh, liquor is accepted pretty much everywhere now. But I remember when I was a little boy, my pastor was opposing liquor by the drink in, in Blount County, being very vocal about it. And um, he received death threats. He had uh, police officers stationed in, in the church building because of the threats upon his life and his family because he was opposing this measure that our city was considering. Also remember a um, lady uh, named Anita Bryant who came to our church and uh, the homosexual community uh, was protesting and there was danger and threats and so forth in, in that situation as well. Can I tell you something? No matter what threats or what danger there may be, our God is with us. The great thing about being a Christian is if they persecute us, they lay up treasure in heaven. If they kill us, they promote us to glory. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, many of you know uh, Wilma Dew uh, passed away this week. and uh, I don't have any arrangements yet. But Anyway, Wilma, uh, Joey was telling me that when she died, <clears throat> she'd been laying there for two weeks. She's... Alzheimer's and, you know, everything pretty much was shutting down. And right before she passed, she opened her eyes and smiled. That's our hope. This life, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasure's laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Jesus is coming. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep speaking the truth. Don't be intimidated. How do you do that? Through your relationship with God. Remember Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin? We ought to obey God rather than men. What is remarkable is what those men say about these guys. They're unschooled and ordinary men. These guys are just regular, ordinary guys. We're amazed at how they're speaking to us and what confidence and boldness they have. It says they took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, 
wherever this world has to, to oppose you is small beans. Jesus is able, and he is our God, and he will refresh us, and he'll strengthen us, and he'll enable us to persevere. Don't be intimidated. Speak the truth in love. Prepared for the battle, Hal. Don't be deceived. Don't be discouraged. Don't be surprised. Don't be silent, and don't be intimidated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the truth that sets men free. And Lord, we just ask that today as we, as we think about this scripture, Lord, that you would enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to be bold and to share. Lord, help us to do so with kindness. Help us to do so with respect and with love. But help us to do so boldly. Uh, Lord, there'll be opportunities that we have uh, with friends and loved ones. There'll be opportunities that we have to speak to people we don't know. Let us give testimony about what you've done in our lives, Lord. Let us not uh, hold back from speaking of the wonderful goodness of our great God. And uh, Lord, I pray for those who are here today, uh, whatever decision needs to be made. Perhaps somebody's been silent and they need to open.